When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No time on the clock. And the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. So we go for one of my favorite times of the year. Start a training camp. The fresh cut grass, first couple practices, all of the overreaction. And there has been a lot this summer to one of my least favorites. First preseason game, not because football's back, but because we go from overreaction to overanalysis. Giants 23, Patriots 21 in the opener. The Giants ending the Patriots perfection again. Sorry to start on such a dark note, but Thursday night football at Gillette Stadium, never a bad thing. Now, the only bad thing that could come of this is, again, the overanalysis part, where as much as you and I want to dive into the details, we got to take a big picture look. I said this ad nauseum a couple of episodes ago, the truth is in the trends. As far as the preseason goes, we don't have any trends yet, but we do have four takeaways today. We're going to run down the same qualifiers I did at our What Did We Learn From Training Camp episode. Everybody gets it. We all know the games don't count. The best players aren't playing. The schemes are simple. The objective isn't even to win, if we're really being frank, because if you listen to Bill Belichick, uh, before he told me not to worry about the offensive play caller situation, he said he was glad that they competed hard, competed well throughout the end of the game. Brian Dable, the Giants head coach, said the same thing. And you're going to get that a lot in the regular season, but they mentioned that first because that's the goal in the preseason. They want to see hard, fundamentally sound play from everyone on the roster when they get the chance. If you get that, even if you lose on a last second field goal, that's what matters. We all get that. This is not real NFL football. That said, Thursday night, the most surprising thing to me, even again, understanding preseason, we got 0.0% of the new offense. The Patriots hid the things we've seen for two plus weeks in training camp very, very well. And I wrote about this immediately after the game. So go find that on bostonherald.com. But when you look at the numbers, as I'm charting every single play by formation, personnel grouping, spot on the field, drive in distance, uh, the players, et cetera, et cetera, they played with 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one running back, and one tight end for 87% of their snaps. And it was the same guys coming in now. Part of that was health because you're resting Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, your top two tight ends. Devin Asiasi banged up with what used to be a hand is now a quad injury. So he sits. So Matt Sokol is the only tight end available and God bless him plays almost the entire game. So they run out with that. You also look at the type of plays that they're running. The passing plays didn't have a single play fake in them. That's 0% play action for the first time that I've ever seen. Now there's a reason for that. And we'll get to it later. Then you look on the ground. We've all been talking about outside zone, outside zone, this pair with the inside zone. 
They only ran seven plays at that outside zone scheme where you see all of the linemen take the same step laterally at the snap and block more of an area than a man. And they didn't run, of course, any play action off of that, as I just said. And so you have an offense that's running the same players out there that's not running the same plays that we've seen in training camp. And all the while ran just one RPO, which has started to been incorporated more in the last couple of practices. And so I tweeted about that. If you want to see the clip of the RPO. Now I mentioned before we would get into why the Patriots didn't run any play action. Cause I asked Bill Belichick this on Friday and his only answer was the giants were doing certain things that made us have to manage the game in a certain way, which was basically answering the giants blitzed Bailey Zappi fourth round rookie Bailey Zappi on half of his snaps, including a couple all out cover zero blitz. Here comes six to seven guys at you. Let's see what you got. Bailey's happy to his credit did well in those circumstances, 12 of 16 when he was under pressure, which wasn't all of those blitzes. Um, but the point is that he can't turn his back on a defense like that. So I think they probably had some small package of play action passes, including the ones that we've seen where you've got the outside zone fake to one side bootleg back around didn't run any of that. So the Patriots have two more games that will be available for the entire public to see, of course, in addition to their joint practices with the Panthers next week and the Raiders after that in Las Vegas. But as far as the rest of the league knows, the only new offense that's there is the one I'm describing, the one that my colleagues are describing on the beat. And you're getting some mixed messages. How much of it is Shannon? How much of it is not? I had a thread on this earlier. I actually ran into Al Groh, um, former Patriots assistant, Jets head coach, University of Virginia, all this different stuff. Worked with Belichick dating back to the 80s with the Giants. He reminded me, and I think I'm going to connect with Al for a story later about this. This is kind of podcast exclusive. Belichick was running outside zone and then pairing it with a bootleg back in 1992. So that's his first year with the Browns, Bernie Kosar. A couple years later, gets ready, Bernie Kosar for Vinny Testaverde, partly because Vinny was a little bit more mobile. And that's when they started running not just the outside zone, but pairing it with the bootlegs that Kosar could only run maybe once or twice a game. So this has been in the playbook for a while. Again, it's TBD and how much that's going to be a hallmark of this offense. But the offense, again, that you saw on Thursday night is nothing like it will be in credit to the Patriots, I guess, uh, for hiding that, basically, as well as the identity of their next play caller. Takeaway number two, this one you, you could see at home, right? The wide receiver competition is really heating up. You see Tyquan Thornton there with a touchdown in the end zone, gets free in the exact same route on back-to-back plays. Christian Wilkerson, after Tyquan Thornton, Smoked his man downfield, did the same in a little go route. So you look at the stat sheet after this game, and you've got Christian Wilkerson at the top near 100 yards. After him, little Jordan Humphrey, six catches, 62 yards. Between them, Trey Nixon, 81 or 82 yards. And you go, okay, not bad. But guys are probably not going to make the roster. Well, those guys a couple of years ago, in case you don't remember, would have been the fourth or fifth best receiver on this team. So the whole depth might not be filled with top-tier talent, But the competition here is getting fiercer by the day because you go back to just 2019, Brady's last year. And again, not a great year for weapons, but that's kind of been the case the last three, four years. The projected starters at that point of the preseason game were Maurice Harris and Philip Dorsett with a rookie Jacoby Myers who had played most of his college career quarterback filling in behind them, okay? So you go from that top three or four to four guys who didn't even have to play on Thursday night. That's a huge upgrade. I'm not saying there's going to be a huge shakeup and we'll get to more receiver stuff in the mailbag. But I think if you're a fan at home, you have to be very comfortable that unlike last season where you had Nelson Aguilar, 
Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers as your top three. And if one of them got hurt, you're going, okay, Christian Wilkerson, second year dude from practice squad, come on up. You've got some options here now between Wilkerson, Nixon, probably not Humphrey, but of course, Tyquan Thornton. Like Tyquan Thornton right now technically is your number five receiver. Second round rookie who is looking very good. And I can tell you the staff is very, very happy with, which you can tell by the way that they're downplaying anything publicly. But he's getting with the program and he is getting open. And that's about all you need to do to play receiver for the Patriots. Okay, number three, defensively, again, you're not seeing the starters out here. They're not running anything complex. The Giants offensive line still looks like dog shit. So there's not a lot to take. But personally, I still have questions about this run defense. And this is as much of a function of what we saw Thursday night is the fact that they've only had five padded practices. So the run defense, just like your run offense is going to take a little while to catch up. And you would probably counter with, well, the run offense for the Patriots has sucked in practice. So the run defense might be good. And that could be the case. But in 2021, this was a bottom 10 defense on the interior by yards per carry allowed and yards per game allowed. So when you have a guy like Carl Davis, who played pretty well against the Giants, he was probably one of the 10 best players of the Patriots, maybe even top five. But besides him, you're giving up 177 yards with Potential starters, Raekwon McMillan, who's been repping with Juwan Belly with the first-team defense in training camp, and Mac Wilson, whose speed was on display. But the Giants are still getting through, and you're having troubles on the edge where Josh Uche is not starting, and Anthony Jennings has been fine. The run defense, to me, you still want to see a little bit more because this was an elite pass defense up until the final stretch of last season. But the run defense was touch and go, and that was with their best players. Now you've got a 32-year-old Lawrence guy projected to start. Sure, Christian Barmore is going to be you know, much better here. He's going to make that year two leap. Uh, if there was a drinking game in this podcast, I swear year two leap would have to be at the top of like just instant shot. We'll cut down on that. But Godshow, Belichick thinks is one of the best defensive linemen in the league. I would say statistically and from the film that I've watched, whether it was in Miami or here, that's true about three to four games per year. You need a lot more of that. And you need more from guys like Raekwon McMillan and Mac Wilson and as I mentioned, guys on the edge, including Henry Anderson, who's a run first player and played on Thursday night to tighten up this run defense. It's not about the 177 yards, but it's that being another data point in the last 12 to 18 months where you go, if they really want to tighten up this defense, you have to start in the ground or teams like Miami who had the worst offensive line in the league last year and pounded you out for 195 yards are going to do that now that they have an actual offensive line, including an all pro in Toronto. I'm set. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and line. I know you've got a lot of different options out there, but stick with betonline.ag. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf with the futures. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. So head on to Bet Online today or use your phone or iPad or whatever you have just to join today and make your first bet with the promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50%, 50 whole percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So. Number four, last takeaway, then we'll get to the mailbag. Um, the depth for this team, and I said this, I think, in my Nuggets episode right before training camp started, things I was hearing after calling around and checking in. The Patriots were very excited about the depth in the roster. So far through two full weeks of training camp and now preseason game, that's borne out. You have position battles, and, and again, position battles could be starters in one area or backups in the other. 
Well, backups at a place like running back, where you can count on Damian Harris to miss probably three to four games this year, given the nature of his position and his history, you're going to need a third running back to really be solid in there. And Ty Montgomery rested on Thursday night. Good for Ty Montgomery. But Ty Montgomery has not cracked 300 offensive yards since 2018, okay? Think about how much life has changed, not just for the Patriots, then Super Bowl champions in 2018, but for yourself. Ty Montgomery's not that player anymore. So can you count on him? Or could it be J.J. Taylor in case someone needs to back up Ramondre Stevenson whenever this comes around? It might be Pierre Strong or Kevin Harris, who basically split all of the snaps in the final three quarters. And Kevin Harris had a worse performance, even though he's played more in training camp. He gave up a quarterback hit and uh, blitz pickup. Um, you know, he, of course, scored that one rushing touchdown. But Pierre Strong looked better to me in the small flashes that he had, as much as they were relying on an offensive line that was, again, struggling with the outside zone to block. You go from running back to wide receiver. We talked about, again, we'll talk about again, offensive line. Who's the swing tackle on this team? Okay. And some of this is bad, right? Like Justin Rahan false started twice. Uh, Yadni Kajas gave up a quarterback hit and a run stuff. Both of them got dinged up. They're playing a lot out there, but let's stop about the swing tackle for a second. Let's go up a level on the depth chart. Who's playing right tackle. Okay. Isaiah Wynn's been gone last three, either practices or now this game. And you look at the right side of that offensive line, when Justin Huron filled him for in for him on Monday, he got pulled the next day because he couldn't run block. And Kajus was better on Tuesday, which was a lower intensity practice. But the, the depth there is churning. It's just a little bit more concerning. On the flip side, the pass rush looks good. And I feel like I've written this story maybe week one or week two of the preseason that the pass rush is teeming with potential. It certainly was last year when Judon got here. But at least you have bodies. This is where you have numbers and it's a little bit more comforting because of the way the Patriots structure their pass rush. It's not entirely about isolating their best player. It's about running games, you know, setting basically picks as you go around or different stunts. Like you got guys like Uche and Jennings who both had um, well three and then four pressures respectively. Sam Roberts. You guys remember Sam Roberts, six round rookie from a school you and I had never heard of before the NFL draft comes in. He had four pressures. Now three of them were on one series, but at least that's another guy who hasn't flashed in training camp but can be a mismatch on the inside, even for Evan Neal, who was the number seven overall pick for the Giants and is on that offensive line. So between him, Daniel Ekawale, who kind of like Christian Wilkerson of the defense, is going to bounce from the practice squad to the roster. You have bodies in there in the event of injury, in the event of a, a better matchup against a particular offensive line that might struggle with speed one week versus power the next. You've got bodies there. And we'll wrap up with the depth there at cornerback. Malcolm Butler, Still doesn't look like his old self. Again, it's hard to expect that at 32 after a year off. Terrence Mitchell, though, allowed just one catch. He had the forced fumble, of course. Behind him, Sean Wade had two pass breakups, if you include the BS pass interference call, um, and allowed just two catches on seven targets. So that's a guy who I had pigeonholed into being really a slot corner, but he plays on the perimeter for all of Thursday night and holds his own. So I look at him as a guy that, you know, where we talked about they have a surplus of defenders in the slot. If he can play on the outside, he now enters the conversation with Jonathan Jones, who's bounced outside the last couple of weeks. Of course, Jalen Mills, Terrence Mitchell, and then someone like Jack Jones, because Marcus Jones, the third-round rookie who rested Thursday night, excuse me, with all the starters, like he seems to have the nickel job, at least for now. But whether it's Mills opposite Jack Jones or Terrence Mitchell um, or John Jones, you have options there now. So the depth is basically one of these guys is going to hit. Okay, the way they approach this is we're going to make a bunch of cheap bets. There are long odds individually, but the more of those you stack up, the more likely it is it's going to hit, whether it's a receiver 
or a corner or a backup running back. And those seem to be playing out the way that the Patriots want. Okay, let's wrap this up with a mailbag. Again, I teased the receiver part a couple of times. So we'll get this from Twitter, McGarvin L at Patriots POV. How would you personally sort out the wide receiver situation? The only player that doesn't look like a factor at this point is Hammond. You're right. Josh Hammond um, didn't look great Thursday night. Well, the rest of the guys did. So as I see it on the depth chart, and this accounts for productivity and training camp, they're fit within the system. It's, it's Jacoby Myers number one right now through two and a half weeks. Then you have a step down. I would put Kendrick Bourne slash Devontae Parker there for the two or three. I think, of course, this could change as we go on. Um, but Bourne has really disappeared the last week from team drills. And Devontae Parker, that's kind of the nature of his game. A lot of the 50-50 balls is where he wins on the field through his size, through his body control, his catch radius. But again, you flip a coin enough times, you're going to have a string of four heads or four tails. And in his case, he's been missing for a while and now he's starting to come back. So I think that's just going to be the kind of streaky nature of his game, especially with those, again, 50-50 balls. After those top three, I would go Tyquan Thornton slash Nelson Aguilar. And Aguilar really becomes the most interesting man in this room, um, not because he's pounding Dos Equis, but because he's, of course, got a, a sizable cap it, where the Patriots, if they release him, would take on $10 million in debt money. They would free up more than $4 million in cap space. And if his level of play is about equal to Tyquan Thornton at the end of the month, I think releasing him is a real process, possibility because teams are going to look at him and you might say, oh, why don't they just trade him instead get a seventh-round pick? Teams are going to look at that depth chart and say, if the Patriots – are trying to give us their number four receiver, a team with probably a bottom 10, bottom 12 receiving core in the league. And again, that's just where they stack up as far as receivers go. It's not in terms of total skill position talent. Like, why are we going to take on Nelson Aguilar for $10 million a year? So I don't know where that's headed. Again, they're really happy with Tyquan Thornton, but the way that Devontae Parker gets hurt in his injury history, I think they feel more comfortable with a solid top five. Again, we talk about the depth and how much different this is, not only just from last year, but from two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, those are your top five. And I think those are the orders where you have a tier of Myers, Bourne and Parker, then you get to Aguilar and Taekwon Thornton. But the next couple of weeks of training camp joint practices are going to be really key, I think, for those two is do we see Taekwon Thornton continue to ascend, Nelson Aguilar decline, stay steady, because right now they're pretty neck and neck. As for the last three spots, Trey Nixon to me, again, is kind of his own tier tier four. Then you've got little Jordan Humphrey slash Christian Wilkerson. Humphrey's a third-year player, as is Wilkerson. I think Wilkerson is getting closer to being a known commodity. He won very well against man coverage last night, um, but it's still just the giant second stringers. So he, he tested very well coming out of college. You just haven't seen him materialize. And I think right now in the way he's being, you know, used in training camp and the type of snaps he's getting, the coaches aren't sold on some sort of imminent lead coming. So I think you've got a very firm top five. And then Trey Nixon might make this roster based on his special teams contributions because he was in on three different special teams um, against the Giants. And we'll see how long that continues because, again, Bethel, Slater, Cody Davis were sitting. But if he can cover kicks and fill in as kind of your backup slot, that's a very valuable position on this roster. Okay, this comes from Truck. That is Truck on Twitter. Is it possible that none of the fringe wide receivers make the roster with the hopes that at least one will make it through to the practice squad as backup? Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> Basically, the last three guys that I mentioned, for all the reasons I just said, Trey Nixon's on the bubble. His special teams impact is going to play a big role. I think they'd love to have Christian Wilkerson back as the dude who just kind of, you know, takes the, the bus to and from the practice squad to the active roster, back down, et cetera, et cetera. Or a little Jordan Humphrey, who, yeah, had six catches 
62 yards in the touchdown against the Giants, but all of those were in the second half, okay, which tells you when the Patriots saw fit to play him relative to everybody else and also the level of competition that he was facing. It was a good night for him. I hope he builds on it and plays his best football. So if he doesn't stick here, he might stick somewhere else, but I think he's still very much in that tier. All right, the last one uh, that we have here, how do you sort out the safeties? I think this is also from Truck. Um, Bledsoe has been making a push and Elliott looked pretty good. Could we see a surprise cut or trade at that position? I have no reason to believe so far that Jalen Elliott, aside from leading the team in tackles, which in the preseason really just means you played more than everyone else is generally not a good thing, um, is going to make the roster. He's literally the 83rd or 84th or whatever they're at right now. Player on the roster, uh, maybe Brad Hawkins is, is one step below, but it, I, I would take him out right now unless there's some sort of huge leap as much as he played Thursday night because let's just look at the top of the depth chart, the top of the roster. You've got three stone-cold, forget-about-it locks here. You've got Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, and Kyle Duggar. Then you've got the tiny, tiny, tiny bump down in this tier of the don't get arrested. Don't just forget how to play football or show up to practice drunk tier. You're going to make the team, which consists of Jabril Peppers. And I think Joshua Bledsoe and Peppers because of the contract, because of his um, fitness defense, of course, familiarity with judge. We've also seen him join the returners in training camp, but Bledsoe has been rotating very frequently with the starters. I think they like him both as kind of a, a half field safety when they go too deep and also someone who can play over the slot. So he's part of that group that brings his value is in the versatility. And speaking of which, Miles Bryant also factors into that conversation. So he had the 30 yard punt return against the Giants. He started at Nickelback, where I think it's really going to be matchup dependent because they kind of have to hide him. Like as smart as Miles Bryant might be, he's quick and he's got good ball skills. He's five and a half, five or five and eight and a half, five, nine, maybe, and still get pushed around a little bit. So they can't have him there get torched by Isaiah McKenzie whenever they see the bills. And that's really the problem. So let's just say five locks. And then you've got hybrids and miles Bryant and even Jonathan Jones, who they might bounce back to safety on occasion as we've seen the last three years. So not to mention Jalen Mills. I, I just don't think you're going to see a trade here because you've got three guys you really want in the roster. This is a strengthier position. I get the idea of dealing for surplus to address one of your weaknesses, but I mean, if you want to pitch me a trade involving a McCordy, a Phillips, or a Duggar, uh, God bless you. I don't think anyone wants to build peppers based on his market, which we saw in free agency. And Joshua Bledsoe, if he's ascending, they're just going to keep him because he's under team control at a very low price as a former six-round pick for years to come. So that's about it. We got four big takeaways, more mailbag questions. We'll have two more podcasts next week, but the bi-weekly thing's on pretty well. The bi-weekly, I think, as far as I know, has a dual definition, meaning either twice within a week or once within two weeks, which is really problematic, but we'll solve that for another day. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Have a couple more beers. We might do this with a couple of guys who I'm talking with on the beat uh, in Vegas when they go to joint practices. But before that, we'll have joint practices against the Panthers here Tuesday, Wednesday. If you have a minute, get down to Foxborough. Joint practices are always the most physical and fun uh, parts of training camp that you'll see any time of year. And then roster projection. We will have one of those next week, either just another solo episode or another guest. But until then, we'll see you.